Hello there, and welcome to Cooner U. My name is Dove, and my friend Keith is here to bring me up to speed on everything I don't know about soccer and Arsenal. This week featured a Premier League match at Liverpool. Hello, Keith. Hello, Dove. Are you are you recovered from Sunday? Not just about. You know, it was it was a, a quick recovery. It would have been worse if we'd actually gone all the way and lost the match. It, it, <laughs> we've we've had draws. I'm I'm starting to get a little bit more used to draws and, and the it's... feelings that that come with them. <laughs> yeah, well, there there were. I have a lot of feelings. There's a lot. There's a lot to be said about Sunday. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, what a, it it is something to go to Anfield. Yeah. Well, uh, you'll you recall, I know we got into this with uh, part of getting you into this was, was All or Nothing, the documentary. You'll recall the uh, Arteta playing You'll Never Walk Alone. Th- this is that game. This is what that was for. And, yep. you know, it's yep. it's easy to see on TV, but they they always talk about when you're in that moment in a place like that, It it's different. And, and we survived. So- do they actually play the song during the match or is it the crowd singing the song? They like, will play it. The match? They will play it pregame. And I, and I heard it pregame. Okay. They play it and they were singing along. And then there are moments during a game, not, not every game, not all the time, but particularly if they feel like it could be a boost where the crowd will spontaneously start singing it. Um, right. Liverpool is one of those crowds that, that they really can affect a game. I mean, everyone wants to say every, the crowd does that everywhere. And, some places, you know, everybody says they you know have a big impact to the game. Liverpool is one of those. It is different to go there, and you know, I wouldn't say that necessarily about City or even even United. But yeah, everyone everyone will tell you Anfield is different. Hmm. Yeah, I, I was asking especially about the playing of the song because I remember that part and that that's what he was doing. Um, I've noticed watching all these matches that as far as I think European football and definitely English football, it stands in stark contrast with American sports where you do actually have songs played in the arenas here. It doesn't seem like it's really done there. It's all the crowd chanting, so... Yeah, I, well, typically it's. I mean, you'll you'll get you'll get music pregame, halftime, and postgame. The the difference really, of course, is that there's no breaks during the game. And so, in in American sports, the they'll play music, but always during a break. You know that when the when right. the NBA, well, the NBA is a little different. They'll play music stuff during the game, but for the most part, if you hear, you know, if the game is going on, the the sound system is off, and it's all the crowd making the noise. It's just the stop mm-hmm. and start nature of American sports is part of what's different. Yeah. yeah, that's true. So um, before we get into the match itself, which for the record, this was our 30th Premier League match of the season. It took place uh, as a record yesterday on April 9th, 2023. The final score was disappointingly Liverpool 2, Arsenal 2. Um, one thing that I noticed very early on as I tuned in, so this is one that I did watch live. Um, my son was sitting next to me for the first 10 or 15 minutes, and uh, I had my dad on the phone like I enjoy doing with him when we're both able to watch together. Um, so I wasn't paying as close attention to things that weren't a ball being kicked around the field. Um, but I did notice that when we first tuned in, there was a moment of silence in progress, but because it was already in progress, we didn't hear what had caused it. And then later on, I noticed uh, Mikel Arteta wearing a pin on his lapel that looked like it said nine apostrophe seven, or it was like a stylized 97 or something. And I wasn't sure if that was related. So what's, what's the deal with those? 
So, uh, yeah, so uh, 33 years ago now, in, in, in April 15th, 1989, uh, something called the Hillsborough Disaster. Um, Liverpool was playing in, a, uh, in an FA Cup semifinal, which now they're all held at Wembley, but it used to be they were played at neutral sites. In this case, they were playing at the Hillsborough Stadium, which was an old stadium located in Sheffield on Yorkshire. And there was uh, a massively poor amount of crowd control. Uh, and really, in terms of not the crowd itself, which was by and large was pretty well behaved given the circumstances, but um, in terms of the way the, the police handled it and the way the crowd was flowing, and you involved a number of people, Liverpool supporters, essentially being crushed uh, against one another as they were trying to enter the stadium um, it, it, to, to the point where it, 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 uh, on the day of 94 people died. Um, oh another, another, yeah, another person died uh, a few days later. Someone else died in 1993. And so for a long time, it was uh, it, it, these people died due to their injuries and it, they was referred to as the 96. And then actually in July, 2021, uh, someone else who had, suffered severe and irreversible brain damage uh, as a result of being there that day, uh, died in, in July of 21. And so it's the, they recognize the 97. It's, it's, the worst, mm. uh, it's the worst stadium disaster in, uh, certainly in English history. It's one of the worst, or infamously one of the worst, uh, certainly in world history, and come, involving a club uh, like Liverpool, which was obviously, certainly in the 80s, was a massive club, still is a massive club. Um, it has also been the subject of several investigations. Um, a number of comments have been made about Liverpool and Liverpool fans and soccer fans in general. And there's just, there are a lot of layers to the way that conversation takes place. Um, mm -hmm. And Liverpool fans rightly feel that they have been vilified by some some media sources in particular uh the the newspaper the sun which to be fair is a just is a tabloid um you know yeah. which essentially people from liverpool football club will not speak to the sun um and people in Liver hmm. liverpool the city will not buy the newspaper um it, it, it's a particularly awful tragedy and so the tragedy being april 15th uh, this is the closest home game they have, presumably the closest home game they have to the anniversary. And so this was their day of commemoration. So you saw Arteta's mm -hmm. wearing the 97 pin. You saw Liverpool players with black armbands. I, I'm trying to remember. I think Arsenal might have been wearing them too as well. Um, it, it's one of those. Yeah, it was go weird. Some players were and some weren't. That was mm. a little confusing about it. That's ah. something that I think my, my mom or my dad, because my mom joined in a little bit later. Mm -hmm. But uh, yes, they were asking about it, too. And I really didn't know what the answer was as to because we didn't know. I didn't know what yeah, they I, I presumably they would have all been wearing them. I admit I, I sort of my focus on that kind of faded in and out as the, as the game was going yeah. on for all kinds of reasons. But yeah, I, 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 um, <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose it's possible someone fell off during the game as a result of the action of the game. But I, it, theoretically, I think I didn't, theoretically they'd all be wearing them. Liverpool players are definitely wearing them. And it was a, it was a moment of silence and it's one of those, it's, it, it, it's a pretty well-known, I mean, certainly if you look up Hillsborough disaster, um, You'll find, I mean, there are documentaries, there are, you know, articles about it. It's a pretty well-known thing and, and a pretty awful thing. And so it's w yeah. worthy of remembrance. Sure. Yeah, so on that note, we go into this match. <laughs> maybe maybe it's <laughs> a little more appropriate than we would like going into this match. But, uh, 
yeah, I mean, just at, at a high level, man, we, we did well, pretty well overall in the first half, kind of portending the second half toward the end once they answered with one goal uh, toward the end of the first half. And then we just took a break from football for the second half and let them have the run of it for a while. That's kind of a high level overview of. Yeah. I I mean, I think, I think it's, it's, I mean, I think it's, well, there's two ways we can start. Let's start with the positive and we'll close with (laughs) a pot. I'll close. We at the end of the game with a positive thought. Let's start with the most positive for about that first (laughs) 30 or so minutes. We look great. We were on form. We were imperious. uh, You know, is he a British to use a Britishism? We were, (laughs) We were on the front foot. We were doing the things we wanted to. We looked like a team that was 30 points ahead in the table. And to do that right. at Liverpool, to a Liverpool team that has not performed to its standards, but it's still pretty good. I mean, they, they dropped seven goals on United a few weeks ago in Anfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they, they mm-hmm. are very good on the day. <laughs> you know, to do that, we look great. You know, Martinelli's goal was well-deserved. We could have had a couple more. Um Jesus was outstanding, um, his usual self, you know, a deserved he- header for a goal. Martinelli was great. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. He looked great. Uh, Liverpool got a couple of chances yeah. here and there, but you know that what you're not going to shut them down. They're too good offensively to shut down. And so, yeah, uh, for those first half hour, we looked great. Yeah, no, no argument there. It was good. I mean, I think what was surprising to me by the time it was – drawing toward the end of the first half was actually though as as strong as we were the possession percentage did not necessarily reflect that it was just about 50 50 i think at times it was exactly 50 50 and maybe be give or take a percentage point or two but it stayed around 50 50 which it didn't feel like it felt like all the action was on their half they were defending um, and we were just taking it to them the whole time, but I guess they just had trouble getting it back out of their half or something because that that didn't totally add up to me at the time. Yeah, it was it was definitely close. And part of that is once those stats started to come up, I I, I saw them as sort of when the game was already beginning to turn a little bit. Um, sort okay. of the, the latter stages. Maybe of the first I hadn't half. acknowledged that yet. Well, that's <laughs> kind of yeah. I mean, that's kind of you start to notice, especially later in the first half. I mean, it. it I mean, especially and we'll talk about the second half. They were. I, I think it's like we were talking about this. This might be the first time all season we've been out possessed. I mean, because we have been hmm. a dominant in possession team, even even against Manchester City, who you know is a, a possession monster. We we actually controlled large stretches of the uh, certainly the Premier League game against them. We did we pr- controlled large stretches of it. Um, you know, so that's it, it's wor- it was worrisome at the time, and and it became more so as the game played out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think uh, unless I misidentified who was taking the shot, I think we did get an early Shaka boom attempt. Um, well, did I did I misattribute that, or did Shaka like really slam it from uh, just outside the eighteen yard box? Uh, he might have taken. He might have taken a. But... Yeah, he might have taken a build up for one. I don't recall in particular. He might have taken a good crack at one. Zinchenko yeah. was everywhere. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, he, in terms of guys who would have taken a shot from outside the box like that, I it might have been Jaka, but I didn't notice it. I don't recall any in particular. Right. Well, so the first goal occurred in the eighth minute, and Martinelli, This it was funny at the time where you didn't think, it, it felt like it took 10 minutes for the ball to get from his foot into the net, and 
at every step of the way, you're like, no, someone's going to stop that, right? And it was just like creeping <laughs> toward the goal as it slid past the keeper and a defender that was also there and just threaded the needle and just crept in. That was yeah. amazing after the fact. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and it's it's amazing how many goals, because we always remember sort of the, the, the curler from outside the box or the great cross and finish. Then there's also the ugly goals, which just sort of like you almost <laughs> like, wait, wait, did that go in? What happened? Uh, yeah, credit full credit goes to Virgil right. Van Dyke uh, for deflecting the ball into the into Martinelli's path, and then it. I think it takes. I want to say it takes another deflection off a Liverpool defender on the way in. Um, hmm. But certainly Martinelli was all over the place, and certainly deserved a goal oh, yeah. and deserved credit for one. Well, yeah, and then twenty minutes later was when he he gave Jesus the setup for that beautiful header, just like hmm. textbook perfect. Just the ball was exactly where it needed to be. Jesus had signaled that you could see in the replays that he was like, "Yo, yo, I'm ready, I'm ready," and like he runs into the box and Martinelli just delivers and Jesus just smacks it in with his forehead. That was that was really really amazing to see. And- and a great header goal, I mean, he does what you're supposed to do with a header, which is he put it down into the ground, because actually it's harder for the keeper yeah. to deal with, so he puts it down. And he's, you know, he's not a very tall player, but he's an excellent header. Uh, does a really good job jumping yeah, and timing. Yeah, he was way up in the air for that. Yeah, yeah. we've we've had, well, we've been on the, when he was with City, we were on the receiving end of a couple of his headers. <laughs> and, 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 you know, he's a guy you look at and just think he's not very tall, you know. Gabrielle heads the ball, but he's also like, you know, he's 6'4 or something like that. He's huge. <laughs> but Jesus, you know, heading isn't just about height, and he's, he's an excellent job in terms of his positioning, in terms of getting himself set up. And so, uh, yeah, yeah. It just it's nice, to, it's nice to see. Yeah. Well, so that was toward the end of the happy part of the match, basically. Um, as the minutes drew on, the, my next couple notes involve two blatant fouls against Saka at least one of which definitely wasn't called and I think maybe both of them they're like in the 30th minute there's a two-handed shove against his back that could not have been a clear thing that one may not have been an immediate call but the ref may have blown the whistle like a little bit later but then he got pulled down by his shoulders like both shoulders (laughs) to the ground it's like, in where was the ref? What, what was going on? It was it was a story that would kind of repeat throughout the match. Yeah. So so yeah, I said I was going to start with something positive. Let's talk about the other side of this. I, li- <laughs> since since this is audio only, you you can't see the faces I've been making. Um, <laughs> the officiating in this game, and I have been a defender of referees. It's a hard job. You know, obviously we, we've criticized them on times, but it's a hard job. I know all of that. They were terrible. That was the game was horrendously officiated. Um, frankly, both teams I think can can complain about some of the calls or non calls, but I think certainly the fact that Liverpool was retreating much more into physical play, and I thought frankly was allowed to get away with quite a great deal of physical play. Um, and and you know Arsenal wasn't. Ben White picks up a, a, a card in the, a card in the first half, which I thought was. It was certainly a, I, I certainly was a foul. I thought the yellow was a little harsh, but it's justifiable. Whereas very similar tackles from players like Cunyate were just just ignored. Mm. And you know, you saw the yeah. pushing, the pulling. It, several times, Martinelli or Saka is ready to turn up field, and it's a subtle little thing, just sort of a hand on the shoulder. But you can see them being pulled back as they're running. That's a foul. And depending on where mm-hmm. they are in the in the field, that's a yellow. I mean, that that's the deli- deliberate mm-hmm. obstruction. 
and it just goes completely uncalled. And I, Tierney was, and and occasionally, all of a sudden, would just decide, "Oh, that's a foul." But for for what? Right. He was he was all over the place. Right. I, you know, he's not why we drew. We'll talk about the second half. It, they were the officiating was awful. I was I was you know it's it, it was bad. It was real bad. Yeah. Also, the the next yellow card to talk about resulted from this tussle between Shaka and Anderson Arnold. Well, Alexander Arnold. We should say that. Yeah, Trent Alexander. Alexander oh, yeah. yeah. Oops. <laughs> That's auto, auto correct mistake. Yeah. Uh, Trent Al- <laughs> uh, yeah. Trent Alexander Arnold. Um, yeah. So from what I saw, there was a a um, it, Arnold sort of throws a gives him a little shot, uh, throws a little something at him, which you know is one of those things that if it happens behind the plate, you don't always see it. I mean, and Jaka responds by sort of popping up and getting into his face. Um, I think in the end, the right thing was done, you know, is I think Alexander Arnold's definitely the, deserves the worst of that situation. But if you're Xhaka, you kind of want to, you need to back away. Mm. That was, that was the bad Granite Xhaka. Like what we've seen all this year, <laughs> we've seen really good Xhaka. He's, he doesn't get wound up. Yeah. In fact, a couple of times we've watched him wind up the opposition, which is very weird to sort of see. But you, he's had some moments, especially in the last couple, last season, and a few in the years, couple of years before. He gets wound up, and then he's he's in somebody's face, and you know, in this case was Gabrielle. Someone has to come over and pull him away. Like you don't, mm-hmm. he, he, he's he, don't get he, thrown out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and that's one of those. You know, this is there's been some conversation about it. You know, sort of when does the match turn? And we've talked about the crowd at Anfield and. There's an argument to be made. I don't think I agree with this, but there's an argument to be made that this was one of the moments because this kind of thing is what crowds really love. They love that sort of getting fiery, getting amped up. Um, Mm. You know, again, referencing, we talked about last year's game at Anfield. It was a big moment. And Arteta has talked all into the buildup about being calm, playing within yourself, controlling yourself. And we had played Liverpool okay for the first few minutes. And then he and... Jurgen Klopp, the man, the Liverpool manager, for some reason, get into it and argue about something, and the two of them are just there shouting at each other. Hmm. And of course, the crowd sees that things pick up, and then you know, Liverpool finds another gear, and then they wind up winning like three nil or something. Um, now hmm. they are not that Liverpool; they don't have that gear anymore. We're a lot improved. They, <laughs> for a lot of reasons, they've kind of taken a step back. Um, which is why, which is why the, our positions in the table have basically reversed from then. We used to be way behind them. This year, suddenly we're way ahead of them. Uh, but yeah. you know, it, it definitely the crowd picks up. But I, I think the big difference is their goal. I think that's the moment where their crowd really sort of gets back into that. And that's, I know that's the opinion of of Ars Blog, uh, the the godfather of Arsenal internet bloggers. I know it's sort of his opinion. Um, I'm kind of the same way. The crowd getting into it, yes, but really I think the goal that they get late in the half, which is partly a result of their their skill and their danger, but also part of us just being sloppy in the back. And I think that's one of the things that that cost us at that point, and and the game started to get away from us there. Yeah. I mean, talking about that goal and giving them credit where it's due, I mean, that that was – amazing coordination it was three passes or like two direct assists that led to that goal like that was that was that was some good passing on their part that resulted in that yeah and and you saw there there were you know, we saw a little bit too um in that uh in, in the first game 
uh, back at, back in the Emirates, they are they're a da- they're a really dangerous team. They are they know they know what to do. They know they are capable offensively. So yeah, that was uh yeah we we that that I think is what let them more get back into this. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm ready for a little bit of a halftime break. Well, let's tell you what, Arsenal was certainly ready for a halftime break. <laughs> yeah, so we, we have something a little bit new to discuss with, with you guys for this episode. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Liquid IV. Um, so, Keith, uh, you mentioned uh, last week you'd been off your workout schedule recently. Uh, well, what are you doing as far as uh, workouts? Um, oh, it's it's not necessarily too fancy. I uh, I like a little <laughs> treadmill time. Um some small weight bits just to, you know, to get a little, do a little something different, but some treadmill time. I can't go outside. It's too hot in Texas, but even then it's, it's, <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's good to be, it's good to get moving and good to get the legs pumping. <laughs> too hot in April to get out. Wow. That's, <laughs> I believe it, but wow. <laughs> so, well, do you ever have trouble staying hydrated during your workouts? Uh, what are you drinking? Just uh, water or something? Usually I'm just plain water to, to start with, but you know, I'm always open to, to new ideas. Well, yeah, I know for me, whether I'm going on a run or if it's when I'm playing soccer or if I'm coaching one of the sports for my son, um, I find no matter what, I feel like I can't get enough hydrate. I always still feel thirsty when everything's over, um, which has me considering uh, Liquid IV, which is the category winning hydration brand fueling your well-being. And their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. In just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. Use it first thing in the morning, before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out, and on long flights. So um, they come in a bunch of really awesome-sounding flavors with uh, sea berry, strawberry lemonade, which are both new, um, Concord grape, lemon lime, pina colada. So I guess you can... uh, you can tune it to whatever you're in the mood for before your workout, uh, depending on what you're doing. So um, one stick of liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone. Uh, with all those flavors, you get five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C, and three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. Uh, it's made with premium ingredients. It's non-GMO and free of gluten, dairy, and soy, so no excuses not to try it. Um, and Liquid IV believes that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. Uh, Liquid IV partners with leading organizations for innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. To date, Liquid IV has donated over 39 million servings in 50-plus countries around the world. So if you would like to get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code Gooner at checkout, that is G-O-O-N-E-R. There is no U in Gooner. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code Gooner at liquidiv.com. So Arsenal comes back from the break, and I didn't. I don't think there are any personnel changes right it seemed like you kept the same lineup right yeah no we we did not we did not pay any changes until very late which we can talk about because again i have thoughts but yeah <laughs> so to, to your mind what did change at halftime like was it liverpool was it us i, I think it was both? a little <laughs> uh, yeah i mean i, I think it's fair the to crowd. say a little bit of both <laughs> i think part of it is liverpool definitely sort of got 
got their legs under them. They started pushing forward more aggressively. You know, I thought even early on, we talked about how, how strong we were. There were a few moments where we missed a couple passes. And on some level, that, that always happens. You know, you, no one's perfect. You're always going to miss a few things. But they didn't really make a difference. But as the game goes on, it starts to tell. And Liverpool is a team that's under Klopp has been one that's very aggressive, high pressing, high intensity. That's part of how, you know, games with Liverpool get away from you very fast. That all of a sudden you're defending, things are going okay. Then all of a sudden, bang, 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 there's three goals and it's three nothing. And you're like, wait, wait what just happened? Um, mm-hmm. And so when they get their, really get their legs going and really get moving, that's hard. And, and, and to be fair, to a certain extent, we didn't handle it particularly well um you know we 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 looked a little we looked a little slow in response we did look a a little sort of shell-shocked i think in in how quickly it was coming at us um and we got we got a little defensive and arteta's talked about this in some other contexts we play our best when we're aggressive when we're on the front but we're pushing and going forward and we did not look like that in the in the in you know it could just be one of those moments you know they talk about momentum it's kind of a funny thing um you know there there are some pieces out there about the tactics of the game and i haven't really gotten a chance to immerse myself in that conversation and exactly figure out all the things that are happening there um so some of it is some smaller tactical shifts uh you know liverpool was able to exploit some of the spaces that we left open particularly well and some of their players you know did very you know did particularly well in that second half um you know alexander arnold uh, in particular was was a, a, was a difficult player for us to handle going forward offensively. So it, it, I mm-hmm. think there's like sort of a lot of different things uh, that were going on, but you could tell in that second half. Um, I mean, I complained about the officiating. The officiating is not why we blew a two nil lead. Uh, you know, Liverpool was very good. You can see why they were, they almost won four trophies last year. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the first major officiation discussion point, which is the penalty. And then we can talk about the the kick itself. But first, let's talk about the penalty that was called. Um, how, did, how did you feel about that one? Um, I disagreed. I can see why yeah. it was called. I thought it was more clumsy on the part of the Liverpool player and clumsy and or cynical on the part of the Liverpool player. I mean, I, I get it. You know, there's contact, he goes down given the way the game had played out to that point, And we talked about some of the physical play officiating that was not called during the game to see that get called a penalty, right. you know, was, was rather infuriating. And part of that was also just because we were clearly feeling the pressure. We're under it a little bit. The game has gotten away from us. We're suddenly, because of a breakdown in the first half, now we're defending a one-goal lead, and it amps up the intensity a little bit more. Uh, I was I was unhappy with the call. Um, I was unhappy with it. I don't know. What did you think? Yeah, pre- pretty much the same. Yeah, it did not seem warranted. It seemed like there was minimal contact that was not, it was not of a malicious nature. And I, I realized that is it necessary, but it didn't seem reckless. It didn't seem particularly egregious. So yeah. And I think it's like you said, it's the contrast that really hurts where if he'd been calling things like that all match long, you figure, okay, well fine. At least he's being consistent, but he didn't even have that to fall back on at that point, which made it hurt even more. So, but yeah, but then we got uh. a gift from Mo Salah. <laughs> yeah, he, he, it's an interesting one. Salah apparently is uh, typically, I mean, he's Liverpool's 
penalty taker. He's arguably their best player, or uh, one of their be- very best players, which you know says something. Um, and he just he just whiffed. I just yeah. missed. I don't. I mean, you know the 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 general sense in the crowd I was watching with was that justice had been done. Uh, that, you know that that having not deserved a penalty in the first place that that was ultimately what should have happened um not in, not that he missed intentionally obviously but you know certainly that that right. was the right that was the true and right result but also it's fair to say we may be biased on that point but anyway of course uh, as is our right <laughs> yeah and i mean you know he's apparently um, Typically is a very good penalty taker, but apparently missed one earlier this year. Um, I think this, there was hmm. talk he missed one also. Uh, Egypt went deep into World Cup qualifying, and appara- I don't know, or was it either was World Cup qualifying or in um, the, the Continental Championship, the African Cup of Nations, and Egypt was in a penalty shootout, and he either missed or didn't get a chance to take a shot. Um, hmm. I don't remember the exact details of it, but, you know, there's... Penalties are, we talked about this, penalties are so mental. There's so much of that mind game that goes into it. So, you know, I mean, Gabriel Jesus is not a terribly good penalty taker. Again, I should say, relative to what you would expect of a player of his goal-scoring caliber. um, Mm -hmm. So... uh, It's not a strength, yeah. Or certainly not as good as you would expect for a, a... Someone who's Mm -hmm. a striker and someone as prolific as he is, and that's especially true for Mo Salah, who is, um, really was, I think, out, you know, out before Erling Holland showed up and just blew up record books. Was he and Harry Kane are two of the best goal score, been two of the best goal scorers in the league the last several seasons. Mm Hmm. Yeah. So, so then we. There, there's a lot of holding them at bay, no one really making any serious moves for a while, maybe an attempt here or there. And then things really, really got heated in the last like five or six minutes. Um, so first of all, it was drawing towards the end of the match and Saka got a yellow card against him because I guess he wasn't hurrying quickly enough to the sidelines for the throw in. Like, was that what that was? Yes, that was a time wasting. Uh, it was definitely yeah. a time wasting uh, a yellow card, which I mean, I don't disagree with the card in general. I mean, he was taking his time walking to the corner. That that was true. Um, but again, of all the cards you have and have not given in this game, that's a curious one to me. Uh, mm-hmm. You sort of mentioned this stretch. I, you know, I, I was this was brought to my attention this morning. Um, again, this was just linked through through Ars blog or one of the people connected with them. Or close to them, um, there was actually a stretch there for for 22 minutes from the 58th to the 80th minute. Liverpool did not have a shot on goal. Yeah, which is kind of like it feels like that, but it's it's kind of interesting that they <laughs> 20 <laughs> plus minutes they they dominated <laughs> possession. It certainly felt like, but it, yeah, it really didn't feel like that's what happened. But but it did, uh, which is right. kind of interesting. Right. So. Well, yeah, I guess looking at it like that, that was really our opportunity to try <laughs> get get one more in on them. But yeah, that didn't happen either. Yeah. So so then, yeah, um, 87th minute, bam, things suddenly get tied up. <laughs> yeah, they found the goal. Mm hmm. And uh, but yeah. Yeah, so it went into stoppage time during which Ramsdale really 
really saved our butts big time. <laughs> there were there were a couple of very credible shots that would have gone in had it not been for him. One of which was uh, it was a deflection. Even though it deflected, he still managed to get it. Yeah, it just uh, yeah. I mean, two truly outstanding saves, uh, especially at the end. Given you know, it, it, obviously with keepers, there we've talked about clean sheets and we've talked about save percentage you know ultimately keepers that don't give up any goal don't give up any goals are sort of the 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 ideal ones but a lot of times the keeper's reputation is built not so much on the on that consistent excellence but those moments i mean frankly that's true for a lot of athletes Mm. right and and in those moments where you know liverpool could have snatched all three points to come up with two frankly tremendous saves uh, is just, you know, it, it, you know, that's, that's why we love Aaron Ramsdale. <laughs> you know, yeah. we know he wants the clean sheets. We know he's looking for that, but man, in those moments we needed him and he was there. Hmm. So, so how are you looking at this match as a point that we gained or as two points that we lost? <laughs> well, that that is sort of the question, right? Um, you know, in the moment, you're obviously you're in the moment. It's a mixture of frustration and relief. Frustration because you know we were two nil up. We were this was a chance we had not mm-hmm. won in Liber- at Anfield in, in since 2012. It had been a long right. time. It had been ten, the tw- since the fall of 2012. It had been a long time since we had won at Anfield. It would have been it would have been so great to get one over them. Mm-hmm. So you're obviously frustrated not just to be up, but that. But on the other hand, we were a little lucky <laughs> to, to get out of there with a point, <laughs> the way the game developed. But we could say that the other way. I mean, you know, Martinelli sends, almost sends Saka through right in, in stoppage time. It got end-to-end there. We had a couple of opportunities late in the game. Gabriel gets a header that ends up going directly at Alisson. Yeah, we had a couple right. of chances there. We could have stolen the three points. I think both teams can kind of rue their missed opportunities on that score. Um, yeah, big the big 30,000-foot picture view is we took four points from Liverpool this season, which is more than we've done in a, in, in, in a long time uh, in, in the last okay. several years. Um, you know, we, we salvaged a point. We are still nominally in control of our own destiny as far as the end of the season. I mean, really at this point, it, well, at this point, both it's, it, we can't really say in terms of controlling our destiny because city, we, we still have to play city. We play each other. So in that sense, both of us, I mean, that's, that's the critical game, obviously Mm -hmm. big surprise. Right. Yeah. It feels like an opportunity lost on the other hand, you know, to go to Anfield, to get a point, we, we survived. We don't have to go there again. Um, we do have other difficult games remaining on the schedule, but we don't have to do that one anymore. And that's, uh, there's a relief from that. So, you know, I'm, I'm talking, (laughs) I'm talking myself into it a little bit. I, I, it's better that it's over. (laughs) We did it. We survived, you know, one game at a time, um, one game at a time. So how many points clear are we? And I know that there's games in hand for for City, but how many is it now? Is it six? Uh, we are currently six points clear of City. Uh, we right. are. And they have two we, games in hand. So if they, well, they win, no, they both only have only one. Close the gap. Only oh, one. Is only one. one. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they, it's only one in hand. So here, it, it may end up being two at some point because they're going to lose another one later in the month due to the FA Cup. 
uh, semifinal. All right. And then, of course, they are also there in the Champions League uh, tomorrow. We're recording on Monday. Tomorrow they play Bayern Munich and in the first leg, the second leg afterwards. And obviously, of course, we're standing in solidarity with another Premier League team, and we'd love to see them keep winning and just keep going deep in the competition and adding games to their schedule. I mean, to, to keep having that success in the league. Uh, you know, Byron, boy, I mean, Byron. We do not wish any major injuries on, on their part during. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Come on. This is a classy no. podcast. We do not wish. <laughs> other than Neil Maupe stepping on Legos, we avoid uh, wishing for injury. <laughs> Certainly nothing serious or significant. That's not it, that's not how we how no. we roll. Uh, but, yeah, I, we are. So they have a game in hand, but they are six points behind us. Uh, so if they were to win that extra game in hand, and then if they were to beat us in the Etihad, we would be level on points. And at that point, almost certainly, um, you know, they're at plus 48 on goal difference. We're at plus 43. So right. obviously to, to to add in those two extra wins and for us a loss would really be a substantial problem. I mean, they would be ahead of us uh, and it, it, that would be tough. You know, the counterpoint to that, the counter argument to that is, I, I, I don't think either of gosh, I don't see either of us obviously we can't win out because we'll play each other. I, I based on some of the games, certainly the games we have left, and I feel like some of the games they might have left, and the way we certainly the way they've played at times this year, I feel like there were points dropped somewhere for both of us down down the rest of the season. Um I don't know where, yeah. don't know how or when or you know, couldn't couldn't guess anything like that, but I feel like there are potential points to drop for both of us. Um, but I feel like I, I, I don't want to say it as if, if this happens, then we'll win the title. But I think the, the six point game that we're going to get in, in the Etihad is so big. If we can come out of there with a point, if we can get a draw in, in yeah. city, yeah, you know, again, flip that around. If someone had told you you're going to go to Anfield and get a draw, most Arsenal fans would have been like, okay, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, if you told me right now to sign up for a draw at City, I mean, gosh, I'd be hard. It'd be hard to say no, right? I think that would be a, that would be a based on the way the season's played out that, yeah. and the way the season could play out. That would be a huge result, but obviously, you know, still much to play for. Yeah. So something that I wanted to to try out in this episode and and see how it goes as a as a way of kind of talking about the match afterwards and especially, you know, for the rest of a season, we only have one match a week. Um, so let me ask you for you. And, and I guess we didn't really talk about it beforehand. I guess it could be from either team. I think we're probably typically going to pick Arsenal players, but who for you is the player of the match? Um, hmm. You know, I, I'm probably just going to pick an Arsenal player of the match. I, you know, there were certainly weren't isn't any, I mean, Liverpool was obviously very good, uh, but there, I, I don't pay enough attention to the way other teams play in that regard. Other than, you right. know, a particular player like really stands out like, wow, we couldn't stop him today. Um, you know, mm-hmm. the, generally speaking, I'll focus on Arsenal's performance from my perspective. But again, I, you know, I think, I think for the first 30 minutes, I think you could probably argue it was Martinelli who was everywhere. Um, yeah. I think, I, I think though, in based on the totality of the match and the way everything played out, I think I, I would have to say Aaron Ramsdale. I thought those yeah. saves, he made a few saves in the first half too, even when it was 2-0. I thought he made a couple of saves mm-hmm. and a couple of plays early on. 
you know, that really, I mean, you can imagine if the goal is what turned the game around for Liverpool, if they score that goal earlier, maybe they do find, they do have a, a little bit more time left in the second half to find that, that winner. So I thought he was, mm-hmm. he was very good when he needed to be uh, throughout the game. Uh, and then particularly as we talked about, especially at the end, but uh, you know, he was part of why we were able to get to the end where those saves preserved a point rather than perhaps made the scoreline even worse. Right. Well, I don't know what you, how, how do you see it? Yeah, my thoughts are pretty similar. I mean, to me, you look at it as either, okay, so if you're looking at the two goals that brought us up to even with them, that's overall Martinelli. He contributed to both of those directly and, and via an assist. Whereas, yeah, Ramsdale was the one who kept it down to a draw and prevented it from being a loss, which I think ultimately ended up being way more important Um especially just and just by number right martinelli had the two contributions to those goals and like you said with ramsdale he had great saves in the first half and the second half totaling more than two so i guess overall i would give it to ramsdale with with uh an assist for martinelli <laughs> yeah uh, yeah and you know i think it's one of those um you know i think i thought saka put in a pretty good turn although not his not quite the same his same self there are some players we could criticize a little bit or at least maybe not criticize but at least say they weren't up to sort of the usual standard, um, and I do think I do think it's fair. We talked a little bit about the the lineup and the substitutions. I do think it's fair to call out Arteta a little bit, uh, and this is sort of the general wisdom of mm. certainly the certainly congealing around the internet, as it were, that he he was slow on the substitutions, and some of them didn't quite make sense. Uh, they didn't work, uh, you know. They we went very defensive earlier. We went defensively. Um, Bringing off uh, Odegaard for uh, Kivior, which you know that's a that's a heck of a place to get your uh, to get your debut in the Premier League <laughs> for Kivior. Right. Um, I have to say, the first time I really got a look at him uh, as he was co- about to come on the field, it makes sense. He's a central defender. He was a, he was a big boy. <laughs> he was a pretty tall guy, right. uh, which I guess makes sense. He's a center back. Of course, he's a rather large human being, but I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah, I didn't remember when when I was seeing him at first on the sidelines. I couldn't ID him, and I was like, "Who is that?" It, it, in a lot of ways, this game was almost like his debut. Like he came in at a clutch moment. Whereas, yeah, he'd played the one match before in a sort of inconsequential way, I guess. But, yeah, that was his, the first yeah. leg of the sporting game. Which, to be fair, he the the team overall did not play particularly well, and and he was part of <laughs> right. he was a part of that. He's young; he would need to grow, and he hasn't gotten a lot of game time at this point. So it was a tough place to throw him in. Um, you know, I, the Tierney and Zinchenko swap, I think, came a little late. Uh, you know, it, I, I like Zinchenko. He does a lot of things for us, but his movement, you know, he's the one who got beat by Alexander-Arnold in the build-up to the equalizer. You know, his defense mm-hmm. isn't quite as good. Tierney's a little more defensively responsible. Mar- you know, Zinchenko's yeah. roaming opens up spaces for Liverpool. I think there was an argument there. Um I I, I saw was, if if you saw Zinchenko's face once he was on the bench, oh, yeah. you could see him beating himself up big time. Oh yeah, and and for, uh, you know yeah. he's he's we've seen it. He's an emotional player, and you know he gets worked up, and um you know the Liverpool players are going to know him from City and and their games there. So I'm sure you know they've been they players chat chatter all the time on the field. They chirp each other, so <laughs> I'm sure they. I would not surprise me if there were some comments made in those veins. Um. You know, I, 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 I was looking, especially Jaco as he picked up the yellow. I was, 
I was actually calling to some people around me. The, the sub I really wanted to see, honestly, was Emil Smith Rowe. I thought we needed to be more aggressive offensively. I understand sitting back and defending a little bit. We went to a five man back line. I, man, I felt like we could have we could have gained. I, we needed to try and regain control of the match, but it's tough because you have so much. You know, the most experienced player on your bench really was Jorginho, and you're not going to replace Party. He was fine. Jorginho for Odegaard, I didn't. I wouldn't have liked that idea. So yeah, you know, some of it just the mm-hmm. the depth and the construction, of, not the construction of the bench, but you know, missing William Saliba, missing Tomiyasu, you know, some players that we didn't have that would have been really nice to be able to sort of throw on to change things up a bit offensively or defensively. Right. All right. Well, why don't you uh, tell us what's up for next week? Sure thing. So again, one game a week, uh, another, another away match. This time we go to uh, the London stadium, the Olympic stadium. Uh, Arsenal is going to play West Ham United. So, uh, well, they since they won't play between now and then, they won't fire their manager. But uh, David Moyes is very much on the hot seat uh, for the Hammers. So, but they haven't fired okay. him yet. So, no new manager bounce, except Nate the Great. <laughs> uh, you're not watching the season of uh, Ted Lasso, and I don't think it's a spoiler to tell you this or anyone else this. But yeah, West Ham is the team that um, Nate ends up managing for. So it's one of those things where had we not embarked on this journey um, and I, had I not started watching the Premier League, I'd be wondering, is that a real team named West Ham? That seems a little far-fetched. Why would they make that up? <laughs> yeah, no, West Ham, we, I think we talked about this. West Ham is a neighborhood in London. We, yeah, we did, um, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, it's interesting. So they have fun, fun little bits of West Ham trivia. Well, three fun bits. Well, four, actually, I got one. Uh, their their team song uh, we talk about you'll never walk alone. Their team song is forever blowing bubbles, uh, and they actually <laughs> will blow bubble. You'll see it. They'll blow. They'll have bubbles popping out uh, as the players walk onto the field. It's adorable and a little <laughs> strange, but you know England. Um, they are. Uh, they're probably they're probably most famous, unfortunately for them, uh, for the hooliganism that surrounded the club. There was. A, I was just looking through. There was a, hmm. a movie in the I would say it was the early two thousands. Oh, I totally blanked on the name. Uh, the Green Street uh, was the name of the the hooligan firm uh, connected to them. Uh, it was a movie with uh, Elijah Wood, um, and one of sort of one of the classic examples of uh, hooliganism in English soccer, which is you know less pleasant than Bubbles. Uh, they are also the only their their old stadium, the Boleyn Ground, was actually named after the I believe is either near or on the historical estate of the. Uh, the Boleyns, uh, that being the family of Anne Boleyn, the second wife of Henry VIII, uh, and then uh, and then they are uh, also your last fun fact. They are the only uh, professional soccer team mentioned in the Harry Potter series. Really? When does that happen? Because I'm a big Harry Potter fan, but of course, not being into football the last time I went through. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they mentioned one of the characters, um, one of the secondary characters that is in Gryffindor or something uh, is, yeah. I, I guess, presumably he's a he is a, a muggle who is brought in. To right. The he was raised stuff. by muggle parents. I think I yeah, grew I up think a soccer fan yeah. and it, they specifically mentioned him as being a West Ham fan. And I believe the story from right. J.K. Rowling was one of her good friends was a West Ham fan. So the she wanted to drop the soccer club into the book, she chose West Ham. And yeah. so it's the only soccer club mentioned uh, in, in the Harry Potter series. So they're a fascinating yeah. club. The hammers are. 
<laughs> and now they're in Ted um, Lasso. Now they're the villains in Ted Lasso. What a world. Right. <laughs> I looked it up. It looks like uh, the movie you're talking about is called Green Street. Um, that was also it. Yeah, sometimes that was it. Green Street hooligans, depending yeah. on the country. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. All right. That's probably worth a link in the show notes for any people who are interested in watching that in the run up to uh, next week's match. <laughs> Well, thanks for joining us at Gooner U. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and some other places, and we appreciate you subscribing to our show and sharing it with friends. If you want to listen the night we record, you can become a Gooner U superfan to download a raw, unedited recording right away. There's a link in the show notes to join. There is also a link to our sponsor, Liquid IV. You can go to liquidiv.com and enter code Gooner, G-O-O-N-E-R, to save 20% at checkout. Again, my name is Dove, and you can find me on Twitter at Dove Frankel. With me, as always, is Keith, and you can find him in a pub watching Arsenal matches. Go, you gunners.